tricky but before break in my subjective opinion <laughs> I showed you an objectively beautiful work of art and played you some objectively beautiful music which you may or may not chime with um, as I was saying earlier today it's, it's, it's possible within a, a view of objectivity to say yeah well you like that Pete you're probably within your rights to like it it's a, it's a beautiful thing but, it, you know, it's not my cup of tea. I really don't get it. I much prefer jazz, you know. But within the limitations of the fact that you may not like modern art or Celtic prog rock music, <laughs> hopefully, you know, I've got to play you something, show you something, and I can't show you everything, so I had to pick something, and I picked something I like because I'm in charge. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have a team here of um, metalcore, Mm -hmm. that, right? Yeah. So they're here for for a year mm -hmm. to uh, play or are gonna yeah. make, uh, record, write and, mm -hmm. uh, and play. Okay. So this Respect. is art. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, Christian worldview. Yeah. The bottom, yeah. probably. Yeah. yeah. Certainly. Yeah. Certainly. Me uh, metal programs like Dream Theater is probably about as heavy as I. Yeah. As I verge to on the on yeah. on that side of things, but uh, but yeah. see, we get a different taste. That's right. Even though beauty is objective. Yes. Okay. Simple. This is this is a key point. Um, the fact that I don't like it doesn't mean it's not good. Mm -hmm. It's whether or not it is inherently likable. Uh, not do I appreciate it, but is it appreciable? Mm -hmm. uh, if I appreciate it. Is that a good thing that I am appreciating it? Because I think it, it should be intuitive of us that there are some things in the world that were I to appreciate them, that would be a bad thing. You know, okay? And that's true in morals. If I appreciate torturing small children just for fun, because that gives me kicks and I really enjoy it, uh, well, it's no defense of my actions to say, well, I liked it. <laughs> you know <laughs> um, because there's an objective fact of the matter I think that's true in aesthetics as well uh, and indeed uh, there's a chapter in my book on the, the uh, objectivity of beauty um, so well, yes yeah, so let's give some feedback what were some of the uh, inhabiting meditating upon that theistic worldview expressed in that art and that music, just sort of inhabiting there, meditating upon it, reflecting back, what does it feel like to live in that worldview? Mm -hmm. Let me go back to the... Start, starting from the music and yeah. including the, uh, the cathedral. We, we focus on the... Yeah. On the song and the painting. Mm. Mm -hmm. We, we what talked about the like? cathedral and. I don't know how you in, in, interpret this painting. The, the fact that it's got a graceful told title 
as with much modern art is of course important to me this speaks very much you've got this, this golden splendid sky out of which is, is gushing dropping this, this green blue torrent of well what is it it's not, well, it's not, it's not a painting of something it's grace okay. where is that grace coming from the, the golden splendour what does that you know, speak of where's it coming to what's, what's down here where this grace it's, it's, it's emptiness there's nothing down here I, I, am, I am empty and from the glory of the Lord he pours a torrent of grace into my emptiness just flooding down out of the glory of the Lord or at least that's what I think it's saying <laughs> I think I've got it the right way up okay. if I've got it upside down ignore that <laughs> right you know and as I heard some of you as you we were going out just repeating that, that repeated line from the song our, our king is here with us so that sense of, of relationship it's not with an equal, but, but of, of closeness and relationship. Our king is, is here with us, and not remote. Uh, uh, being, feeling safe as well. I mean, yeah. I think that's one of the... To me, if yeah. your king is there, it's probably yeah. safe around. Yeah. If it leaves house. But on the other hand, the song's not saying everything's wonderful now, is it? The, the lyrics of that song are full of hope when we see beyond what appears to have died when all is restored to be as it should in an atmosphere of miracle when courage rises up and the power of fear is defeated in love a love that will heal a love that will restore like water to the desert like a key to the door a sense of Something's going to unhappen that's going to make things better, that's going to unlock what unlock my heart, unlock my potential to be what I should be, etc. That opens up to freedom, that opens up to life, seeing what can become when faith is alive. But there's that, that Christian sense of, you know, I'm saved, but I'm not saved yet. I'm saved, but I'm being saved, and I will be saved. You know. Um, it's not saying, oh, life is peaches and roses and it's all wonderful. We'll have another slice of cake, Vicar. Um, it's, you, you can feel this whilst grieving. And that's the difference between happiness, which is dependent upon circumstance, changing circumstances, and the biblical concept of joy. Now, C.S. Lewis's face, joy is the serious business of heaven. I can be grieving in joy. Could I, yeah? Yeah. Um, one illustration. If someone dies and you're in a funeral, right? You see mm. the person in the coffin, he's gone down into the grave. How do you feel about it? Well, you're going to cry whether you're a Christian 
or you're not, right? Someone close mm -hmm. to you. But what different uh, what difference does the Christian faith make mm -hmm. in terms of what you feel about it? Mm -hmm. it? It still pains, but it's a different kind of pain. Mm -hmm. If you're a Christian, you know yeah. there is a God, you can be angry with God. Mm -hmm. It's strange with atheists are angry mm -hmm. with God. Some, some of them are, but um, it, uh, you know, we have feeling of grief. Being Christian doesn't take that away. But it's a different kind of grief mm -hmm. if you're a Christian, because there's someone else as well. It's not just the whole. Okay? Yeah. Do you agree? It's, it's, yeah. You feel differently, mm, even if mm. you both grieve, you both cry. Mm. There is an additional mm. thing if, yeah. if you're a Christian. And if you know, if I listen to someone who's been to it, you get an opportunity to go to an atheist, a secular humanist mm -hmm. funeral, then you'll really notice the difference. Mm -hmm. um, you know, these beliefs make a difference. Across the board. Mm. And, and I, I was at uh, one of my close relatives, atheists, humanists. Mm. And what's interesting, you know what the atheists, they were humanist, human and ethical society. Mm -hmm. and it's very interesting, what did they say? Because they had a liturgy, mm. and there was a speech. And it's very interesting what they said. Mm. They used poems to make it feel better. And they said, well, it's just like going over to a dream. This is not dangerous. There's no judgment. It actually said there's no judgment. There's no God there. And this is just like falling asleep. Don't give it. So a lot of things were said mm. to calm down. Well, of course, how can they know? Mm. So it's, it's, it's kind of sugarcoating, making it feel better while it's really mm. dark. So they... Mm. Yeah, it's, it's not quite yeah. consistent with their atheism, I, I think. But, uh, well, it could be. Again, this is an aspect of, of looking for the, the livability of yeah. a worldview or a spirituality as, as an element of testing for one that you can live in. <laughs> um, it's not something that supersedes truth as a, as a value. You know, if you come to the conclusion that it's true, that there's no life after death and that there's no hope and that there's ultimately no justice and so on, then again, in integrity would demand facing up to that rather than sugarcoating it. <laughs> like, um, so this is all the pre-modern worldview, yeah. right? And then one day, culture turns its back on God a large part of culture turns its back on God and looks into the modernist worldview mirror and asks who is the fairest of them all. And the modernist worldview mirror says something along these lines. According to science, which is the only way to know anything, man is the fairest of them all. Although an unverifiable value term like fair is merely an expression of emotion. Uh, the most rational being to have arisen via the blind watchmaker of neo-Darwinian evolution, a child of Mother Nature, who will soon come of age and reject the childish superstitions of religion and walk hand in hand into a new golden age of rationality, 
and science and peace and the 20th century with two world wars. Oh, at which stage some people started kind of thinking again about this, part of the impetus towards postmodernism. But that's the kind of thing that a modernist humanist... So here's a brief video of the atheist William Provine, who, who died recently. So uh, page, on page two, you have the three mirrors, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, just laying out his creed as, as an atheist uh, in a debate. There are no gods, no purposive forces of any kind, no life after death. When I die, I am absolutely certain that I'm going to be completely dead. That's just all that's going to be the end of me. There is no ultimate foundation for ethics, no ultimate meaning in life, and no free will for humans either. He, he lays it out. I, I think he's one of the most consistent at talking about atheists who are consistent and those who are not. You know, he at least is, is working from his foundational principle. What's the most important? What's the first of them all? In the beginning was matter, stroke energy, rearranging itself according to the laws of physics. So what is there now? Well, there's matter, stroke, energy, rearranging yourself according to the laws of physics. And one of those arrangements is me, and one day that arrangement will fall apart, and then where will I be? Well, I won't. <laughs> and what am I now? Well, I'm just physical things doing its stuff according to the laws of physics. Do I have free will? Don't be ridiculous. No. Um, or Michael Roos, in his recent book, The Atheist Manifesto, says, if you become a non-believer, you have left the security of childhood. Back to this, religion is all childish stuff. You've left the security of childhood. There is no ultimate meaning. Circular attempts to find a substitute aren't going to do it. It is gone. Well, Alex Rosenberg, atheist philosopher of science, in his book The Atheist Guide to Reality, again, very clearly laying out what I think is a consistent atheistic worldview, saying, is there a God? No. What is the nature of reality? What physics says it is? What is the purpose of the universe? There is none. What is the meaning of life? Again, there is none. Why am I here? Just dumb luck. Is there a soul? Are you kidding? Is there free will? Not a chance. What happens when we die? Everything pretty much goes on as before. Except us. What is the difference between right and wrong, good and bad? There is no moral difference between them. Individual human life is meaningless, without purpose, without ultimate moral value. We need to face the fact that nihilism is true. Um, creating purpose in a world that can't ha have any is like trying to build a perpetual motion machine after you've discovered that nature rules them out. If that seems hard to take, he says, there's always Prozac, who's a, a drug for people with depression. And it's not just a joke that he's, he's making. He says it at the end of the book as well. He says, why should we scientific folks, what should we do when overcome by world weariness? And he uses the German word uh, there, Weltschmerz. Uh, he says, take two of whatever neuropharmacology prescribes. So he says, yes, this worldview is depressing and kind of really difficult to live with. What should I do about that? Think about changing my worldview to be more consistent or whatever. No, take some drugs. <laughs> <laughs> B 
that, 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 that you might have to inhabit a worldview where the only way to cope with life is to take drugs. I mean, prescription drugs, but still. Um, that, that at least ought to raise seriously in your mind the question, is there a, a better alternative? Uh, are we really driven to this or not? You better really want to be sure in your mind before you start doing it. Yeah. That's precisely their point too, though, that big, it doesn't matter if it's depressing or not. It's the truth anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but, then, but then why does he value truth? There is no moral difference between good and bad, right and wrong. Would it be immoral for me to say, well, that's really uncomfortable, um, believing the truth, if I can get myself to feel better by, I don't know, let me go and visit a, a, someone who can hypnotise me into believing that there is meaning and purpose in life, because then I'll feel better. Would that be immoral of me to do that? Given this worldview? No. <laughs> so why not do that? You know, why? <laughs> why? You know, it still urges that question. So what is a modernist worldview? And we talked a little bit about humanist funerals and so on. What, what does this make you feel? <laughs> Would you think of any, any building that can kind of correspond to the... <laughs> oh, I, I can give you some... Go on to artistic... I'm going to skip a few things and go to the artistic examples. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to talk about scientism and AJ Air and things, even though that's a great video. Okay. Here's a famous piece of pop art from Britain from the 1950s. Uh, and it's called, Just What Is It That Makes Today's Homes So Different, So Appealing? That's the, the title of it. It's a collage made by the British art, artist Richard uh, Hamilton for the 1956 London Art Exhibition, This Is Tomorrow. Um, and he made it for this exhibition. It's a famous piece of pop art. Almost naked, aren't they? Well, bodybuilder, bodybuilder. Um, yeah, she she is um, practically topless. Seems to be wearing a, a lampshade on her head. Uh -huh. okay. um, what do we have here? We have a popsicle, a, a vacuum cleaner. It now reaches to the top of the stairs. It says in the advert here, advert for a film outside. A comic strip panel from Young Romance. Um, we have a picture of the pla of a planet. I think this is uh, Mars up here. A uh, beach on the floor. We have a, a tape recorder. That's like home entertainment. It's just coming online for, for the masses. Uh, television. The young lady on the television here. Um, the various bits of furniture. Um, Hamilton, Hamilton um, described what the collage was saying. That beautiful. Before, before you, him, yeah. What, what does it feel like? This, the picture. What, what's its, what feelings does it communicate? Yeah. What do you think? Chaos. Mm -hmm. A bit chaotic. Co yeah. yeah. Confused. Mm -hmm. 
something artificial with the, with the people that's... Uh... Yeah, because it's, it's, diff, it's called different elements cut out of different magazines and so on and glued together, there's a sort of artificiality about it. Um, it, it. You wonder what the purpose is. What, what's the... It doesn't seem to be um, purpose with what they're doing. Just yeah, well, sure. what's going on there? They're, they're enjoying their modern home. Okay. Um, I'm enjoying using my tape recorder and my vacuum cleaner and watching my television and mm -hmm. eating my tin of Spam mm -hmm. and sitting on my couch. And what, what, are, they, what are they being? What are they doing, r really? In the consuming... Okay. They're consumerists. It's a consumerist society. We've got things that we can buy, entertainment that we can watch, the films, the television, the tape recorder, the comic strip. The We're not sitting down to read a novel, but we're consuming electronic goods. The new, prosperous, post-war... Consumerism. Um, the collage, said the uh, artist, attempted to summarise the various influences that were beginning to shape post-war Britain. We seem to be taking a course towards a rosy future and our changing high-tech world. It looks low-tech to us now. This stuff is all high-tech at the time. High-tech high -tech world was embraced with a starry-eyed confidence, a surge of optimism, which took us into the 1960s, says the artist. So that's what he thought he was expressing. You, you may express something in your art that you don't know you're expressing as well. Your, your spirituality comes through, deliberately or, or non-deliberately. So... So, it's <laughs> Should be a reflection of optimism. Yeah. Because that's not what I felt at all. No. Maybe I, I thought that the technology of the 50s seems kind of not quite yeah. impressive. But, uh, so you have to imagine, you know, iPads and LCD TV yeah, screens yeah. and they're watching a 3D film at home and. Right. So <laughs> you, you get different communication in different mm. contexts. But also that, that sense of optimism that modernism started with very quickly kind of evaporated. You see, even the, the description that the artist is giving there, saying we, we, it seemed that we were moving into a rosy future. Um, now, Richard Hamilton, the, art, the artist, was a university lecturer as well at the University of Newcastle. And one of his pupils was a guy called Brian Ferry. And Brian Ferry became famous in the 1970s as the lead singer of a rock group called Roxy Music. And probably their most famous song is a song called In Every Dream Home, A Heartache. And I've got the lyrics on the handout for you, as well as up here. And Richard Hamilton was Brian Ferry's tutor and mentor whilst Brian Ferry was at university in Newcastle before he became famous. And the Roxy Music song in Every Dream Home a Heartache is a song based on 
the collage. Oh, page four on yeah. But as you will see, it is very much not expressing optimism okay. <laughs> or a rosy view of a materialist, consumer, modernist culture. It's a very dark and disturbing song, which should at least have a 15 certificate rating, shall we say. Okay? So I, I forewarn you. But I just want to play again, play you this piece of music and see the lyrics and see what feelings being expressed about this initial optimism of, of the modernist scientific way of, of doing things very, you know, within a couple of decades people are feeling very uncomfortable with the results okay powerful stuff I think that it is not a happy piece of music <laughs> well, what is it? Maybe we should yeah. Yeah, that would be good, and then give some feedback. I think. Great. Yeah. And another cup of tea. Okay. Mm. Okay. So I've noticed the time we're not going to get on to postmodernism, but I've, as I've always said at these things, it's more important to d do the material that you do do and understand it and inhabit it than get through everything. And if you want to go further with the analysis into the postmodernism so on, you've got the, the article uh, anyway. Uh, and I think, I think we're on to the clue about postmodernism. Yeah. We're talking about modernism now. Mm. But inside modernism, there is an internal di dynamic That's right. pushing it towards what we call nihilism. And that's mm. what we see here. Technology, mm. but what, what more? Yeah. Okay, what, what did you feel? Emptiness. Yeah? Emptiness? Depression. Depression? Depression. Yeah? Mm. So I think there's an inflatable doll. I said, of course, Paul. Yeah. So the, the whole second half of the song is about buying a sex doll. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's so it's about the the viewing people. If you start viewing people as just things, because we're just material things, and we produce and buy material things, we live at we consume material things. Uh, if we can uh, get enjoyment from that material thing, we commodify. Mm -hmm. have we commodify things. We commodify relationship, sex. We commodify. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we don't view it as a sacred thing anymore. The, the concept of sacredness. Uh, the real value of what is it for and so on leaves but there's an emptiness that, that comes with it this the sort of well I'm, I'm relating to a non-person but then really within a modernist worldview if per all persons are is just material things that don't have souls that don't have free will that don't have value that don't have meaning that don't have purpose <laughs> you know, yeah. So, 
really that becomes starts being a reflection of your, your outlook on on everyone and how you relate to them um, how do you draw uh, Martin Barber's uh, difference between you know um, uh, I and thou relationships personal relationships and I and it relationships can you draw that distinction really on a materialistic scientific modernist worldview but what are, what are the implications for that and that's how you actually live how society is structured how you feel about people home sex etc yeah. so more, more things so if you're living in a bungalow with everything perfect around you have a swimming pool and a doll mm. floating doll aren't you happy Everything you need. Yeah. What's the, what's the feeling in the song? You've mentioned empty. Meaninglessness. Meaninglessness. Loss of content or yeah purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm. What's the point of all this? The, the, the line about what what to do there. What to do there? Yeah. <laughs> We, we have this lovely, oh, such a pretty home, and the main house is a palace, but what, what to do? What is it all for? Better you know? Sorry? Better pray there. Better pray there, yeah, he says. Yeah. Line. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I need, I need rescue from this. Do you, th- I, do you think there's a heaven? I, I'd like to think so. Mm-hmm. But clearly, I'm not sure about that anymore, that... I don't have a transcendent context to put this in anymore. And that in itself always drives <coughs> me, you better pray, but actually, who, well, who too, actually? I'm just, we're just lost. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, I think it's a, a very powerful uh, expression of, you were talking about uh, architecture earlier, Le, Le Corbusier, the architect, talked about homes as machines for living in. Machines for living in. That's a whole This is famous phrase, mach- machines for living in. Modernist uh, architecture. And the, the, the growing sense of une- un- sort of unease people feel with the whole concept of the city. Um, you see it in, in films like um, the opening scene of, of, of Blade Runner. And this kind of... the the sort of dehumanising effect of the modern organisation of society into, into the, the 24-hour electric city kind of thing has been a big theme of, of, lots, of lots of films. And um, this is not a photo from Blade Runner, this is a photo from Beijing. <laughs> this is modern-day Be- Beijing. Blade Runner, Beijing. <laughs> so, that's... A, <laughs> the, the prophetic nature of the of the the, the film there, but um, just people there. Yeah. A house is a machine for living in. A city is a machine for the economy and production. And education is about training the workforce for the economy so that GDP can rise year on year, and so we can buy more 
because we can produce more so we can sell more so we can get more money to buy more to produce more to like yeah the whole you know not that there's inherently anything wrong with making things and selling things producing things and so on and the whole cultural man- mandate theme of biblical Christianity back, back to the book of Genesis but when you abstract that from the transcendent realm and the values that guide it and the understanding of who the people are that you're relating to, what you're doing, and you're just focusing on the materialism without the values and the here and now without the transcendent, it becomes in all sorts of ways that you can, you can see expressed in modern media, modern film, modern art, modern song, People express their discomfort with trying to live within that spirituality. So, so he, he's explained a historical line from pre-model, which is the universe where God is the center in the cathedral, right? Mm. The modern rejected God. And in, this, in the beginning, they were kind of heroes. Of human beings, mm. science, everything is okay. Yeah. But it took some time, and the modernists kind of discover what's what's really left. Mm. Who are we really? Can we believe in, in good and evil? Mm. Can we believe in meaning? Can we believe in reason? So it's kind of uh, it, it's seeing the development of of uh, pushing away God, the consequences, mm. first the intellectual and then practical consequences. Mm. And that is that's where postmodernism is mm. is going. Mm. Yeah. Looking at the negative sides and maybe laughing at it. Mm. They might not be depressive, postmodernism. Mm. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, the consequences are really denying God. Okay? Mm. Logical and practical consequences. Mm. Okay, we're we're approaching mm. the end. The end. Uh, <laughs> given us a taste of, of what you've been, been Yes, so there'll be a little bit more on the worksheets because we didn't quite, quite get to everything and that's fine. You've got the article if you want to go further. Um, my website, peterswilliams.com there's free stuff on there and you can get to my YouTube channel and so on and my the place of videos with me in it includes a lecture, a previous version of some of this material that I gave in Romania um, and the playlists and things that connect to the book and the introductory videos for the, the book, which contains the chapters on the logic stuff that we did at the beginning, the chapter on the uh, objectivity of beauty that we've mentioned a number of times, um, chapter on the argument from reason trace, tracing out if you reject God and you start with matter in the beginning, can you trust your rationality even, not just what happens at the ethical level, but why, why trust your brain if it's the outcome of an unguided mindless process that if it cares about anything, cares about what works rather than what's true. They don't necessarily overlap, you know, etc. So there's lots of <laughs> meaty philosophical stuff to get your teeth into. But hopefully, we, you know, we started with just that, that, that overview of arguments, being able to spot when there is and isn't an argument. When there is an argument, pull it apart with those three questions, the flow chart that you've got. Is it a good argument? Um, before it even enters into the process of balancing up who's, who's got a good view of things. And then not just exploring at the, at the, the argument, the worldview, the belief level of things,
but how does that actually connect with the truth, connect to the, the realm of goodness, of, of beauty, of, of, of commitment and action in the world? How does the spirituality feed in to the culture, what it actually feels like to be part of that culture? Yeah. And the, the wonderful thing about the Christian faith is that God, or actually Christ, if we read Colossians, mm. which is Pauletta, Christ is the one who holds these, these things together. The material world, justice, goodness, mm. reason, yeah. and meaning. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, uh, the, the, the uh, spirituality yeah. is, is realizing yeah. these connections yeah. and not hiding yeah. it. Yeah. Or right. And, and recognizing that things are, are not always great or, or perfect by any means now, but that you can be, you can be sad now whilst having the joy and, and the firm rationally grounded hope of Christ come to earth, of, of the new heavens and the new earth, the fact that our king is with us now and he, you know, our king will be with us and Christ will be all in all uh, in the long run. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Yes, thank you very much.